All right, praise the Lord, everybody. Let's lift our hands one more time. Let's ask the Lord to anoint his word to our hearts. Father, thank you. Thank you for the presence of God. I feel your touch. Thank you for those that lift your name, Lord. Thank you for apostolic church in this hour and for your blessing. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. Sunday night when uh, uh, about mid-afternoon, I realized I had the, uh, I was well into the flu and I had gone to California and had flown through Denver. My ears popped and didn't hear for a week. And then uh, this flu was, I don't know when it actually uh, got a hold of me, but Sunday when I, just as I was coming in to preach, uh, I got, to where I couldn't stand up. I was about to get so dizzy I couldn't stand. And I just told the devil that uh, I didn't care. You know, I saw myself in the vision. The devil wanted me to see me falling over kerplop. And I just said, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm preaching. I'm going to preach that this church has a dream and we're going to have revival. I'm going to preach it no matter what. It wasn't anybody else going to be preaching it. So there I was. And uh, then the, the last couple of days, we were, we were uh, under the weather. And then Brother French was, I don't know which one of us, how we got it. Anyway, it looked like we have the same thing or he's got a worse version of it. And uh, uh, so it's always a concern when he uh, gets really under the weather. So we need to pray. But tonight, uh, really this morning, I woke up, I feel like God touched me and I feel like the devil wanted to hinder. Now, I know that people get the flu, and I'm not blaming everybody that gets the flu on the devil, but I know the devil wants to hinder and wants to stop what he can. He'll do everything he can to stop it. He'll use people's all kinds of things to stop what God wants to do. But we're here tonight. I believe it's a miracle that God has touched me, and uh, I'm just thankful for it because I feel, and I don't feel like uh, uh jumping out of an airplane or anything, but I do feel great compared to, to what it was. And the only, the only thing I'm having is that it's just like it just left and then it starts going into my throat so that I, when I try to talk or whatever, it, I, I get to hacking a little bit. But I have a, a bunch of Holy Ghost um, cough drops and we're going to get through this Bible study. Now, but you have to bear with me. Now, we're, we're looking tonight. So if you have your Bibles and, and uh, you need to grab a Bible, I can't imagine coming to a Bible. I mean, if you forget one, that's one thing. But you come to a Bible study, we assume you have a Bible. That's the whole point of it. Now, I'm going to give you several scriptures. And our lesson tonight is entitled 10 Principles for Living for God. But what is the word I'm adding on? Can anybody see it? Victoriously. Not just living for God, although we could have just said that, but I want to emphasize an, a victorious life for God, not just living for God. There are plenty of people that are living for God, and that's wonderful, but we want to be more than just living for God. We want to be living for God with, the, with let's say, 100%, something like that. So we're going to look at 10 principles, and when we're done, I'm not going to try to go overboard. I'm not going to try to cut it short. I'm simply going to give you 10 principles. Now, there are many, many principles. I would say many hundreds of principles, but I want to look at some things tonight that we might not think of or maybe we haven't talked about in a while, and I want you to consider them, and I want you to consider that I am a, a man chosen by God to pastor and therefore, not a single one of these 10 are arbitrary. They are things that I think will help either new people. And we had a house full of people here uh, for our first Sunday. Can we just clap our hands and thank God for a marvelous first Sunday of 2018? And, uh, of course, January is always unique and has its own uh, obstacles, but as, as does December. But I really feel that we're on course to... Uh, uh, actualizing what God really wants to do in us. I, and I feel it in my heart. There are many things I want to say as a pastor that I, there are things that even uh, perhaps I needed for God to speak directly to me. Because I, I want to tell you, it's not always easy to preach in a world that opposes it. 
to have, for example, the concern uh, that this culture brings to religion in these, uh, this hour and this day. And not only that, but also the burden and, and, the, and the focus that God wants to give to the, to the church. I believe Jesus is coming soon and he is going to help every one of us to be a mighty vessel in these last days. And so we can be victorious. Now, I don't believe that we're going to be, uh, I'm not talking about never make a mistake. You're absolutely perfect. You're 100%. You never, ever did anything that wasn't absolutely perfect. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about victory. Sometimes victory is just knocking the devil in the head, and he stumbles away. I mean, there's no glory in that. You just say, get out of here, devil. There's nothing, no glory in that. You're just getting the devil out of here. And I really feel like God's going to give us victories. And I, and I also believe what I said Sunday night, that it's going to be in our families. God is going to help us in our families. He's going to touch our children, our grandchildren, and extended families, there's just no telling what God will do. And so tonight, we're looking at 10 principles for living for God victoriously. And after this, we'll just talk, just call it living, living for God. Actually, our scripture, grab your Bible. Now, I'm not going to give you the scripture until you get your Bible in hand, because I want us to, you, there's only 10. It's not like the end of the world. It's not like your fingers are going to fall off. All right, so we're going to look beginning in this very first text. Oh, wait. Okay, we can, we're, we're there. All right. I was going to say, it's about to come up, but I, I can tell now that it's up there. All right, so we're looking at Galatians 5. So I, I realize it's up here, uh, but I'd like to have your Bible open, just, and we're going to thumb through uh, principles. Of course, each of these principles are found in specific uh, passages of Scripture. This is a very familiar Scripture. Let's read verse 16 together. Um, let's read it together. And uh, you can see that I've given a definition. I'm going to grab my Bible here. I had it open to another text. Galatians 5. All right. Now, so Galatians 5, you know, is all about the fruit of the spirit and so on. But verse 16, it begins like this. This I say then, walk in the spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, the Greeks had a little thing called a double negative. Is anybody, uh, is anybody able to stand the teaching of the word tonight where you really want to say, I just would love to know what the word is saying. Whenever the Greeks used a double, see, you can't do it in English. You can't say I ain't, not, I mean, you can't say that anyway, but you know what I mean. You can't use double negatives. Uh, I can't even think of an example, but you can't use double negatives. Um, you can't put two negatives together because that would uh, technically make it a, a positive. If you use two negatives, I'm not, not, you don't say that. You don't put two nots together. All right. But when the Greeks did it, there was a reason. You could do it, in other words, in the Greek language. The ancient languages allowed for it because this was called a form of emphasis. There are several ways this is done, but... But in this case, in Galatians 5, I noticed it some years ago. I was, uh, I forget what I was working on, but I, I noticed there was a double negative. I said, oh, my goodness, a double negative here. And uh, maybe some commentator, someone drew my attention to it. Ye shall not fulfill. So the only way to translate it, and I didn't look for a translation that gives it to us. This is not the point of this text. I, <laughs> we're going to get to the point of the text. All right. Ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Everyone say that. Ye shall not Fulfill the lust of the flesh. But there's a double negative. See, the Greeks don't, that's not an accident. The way you would translate it is you will not at all. Or you might even say never. I mean, that, that might be stretching it a tad. But there are places we could actually say never or not at all. The emphasis being that when you walk in the spirit, what the flesh and the world is doing is then subsided. It's you will not at all fulfill the lust of the flesh if you're walking in the spirit. How, why is that? Because the spirit's powerful. Anybody got the Holy Ghost here tonight? It's a powerful thing to receive the Holy Ghost. So he says then walk how in the spirit. Now, I've given you one, two, three, four. I've given you four translations in the little box. And this guy's walking on a Bible. That's that's why I use this. Uh, you're not going to see that every day. 
And so here's a Bible. He's walking a path that's in the Bible, and it says walk in the Spirit. So we could say, well, how do you walk in the Spirit? Well, let me tell you this. If you're not reading your Bible, you're not walking in the Spirit. If you're not praying, you're not walking in the Spirit. Just because you get goosebumps and you come to church and you go, that doesn't mean you're walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit means that you are doing the things of the Spirit. Now, let's um, look at the translations from other, other uh, translations. All right, Number one, can you actually see it? I, I've got it so tiny, and I was uh, <coughs> so excited that I could actually breathe and sit up straight that uh, I didn't even care that it was tiny. Now that I look at it, I think, oh, my goodness gracious. That looks like... Uh, well, it looks very tiny. Does that look really tiny, Sister French? Okay. All right. It looks really tiny. Um, so I say live by the Spirit. Everybody say that. Live by the Spirit. That's because this word walk means, and there it is, parapetaita. All right. There's the Greek word. There, I, did, I took that right out of the text. That came right. That one is right there in the Greek Bible. All right. To walk or to walk about. That's because peri means to go about. So to walk, to walk about, or to conduct one's life. So that's a perfectly correct translation. So I say, I'm not saying any of these are not correct. I want to point out what they've done wrong. So I say, live by the Spirit. So what's the difference? Instead of saying walk, which is interesting, walk is correct, but the word walk doesn't mean to, okay, if I start moving my feet, I'm in the Spirit. It has nothing to do with that. It's with the way I conduct not my feet, but my what? My life. So I conduct my life in a way that's spiritual. And that means, for example, let's say you're unforgiving. Then you're not spiritual. If you can never forgive anybody, if you hold grudges for 37 years and you're going on 38, then you're not spiritual. You're not spiritual. A spiritual person says, Lord, I forgive them. That's a spiritual person. Now, it doesn't mean it's easy. I've had people come to me and say, you know, he, he, you don't know what he did to me. And I'll say, I know, but I, you've got to find a way to forgive because forgiveness is the key. If you can forgive, you can change your life forever. But you have to forgive. Anyway, so that's spiritual. So I say live by the Spirit. So that's basically great. That's the NIV. Now, the ESV says, but I say walk by the Spirit. So what other than this word right here, what's the other change from this I say then walk in the Spirit? What's the difference? That word right there. Does anybody think there's a difference in saying, here's what I'm, he's, he's basically, you notice this translation says, I mean this. That's the, any, I can barely see that. The, in, the New English Bible says, I mean this, and puts a colon, if you are guided by the Spirit, so on. All right, so, uh, so I say walk by the Spirit. So if you say to walk, to walk in the Spirit, do you sense that that's uh, different from saying or even live in the Spirit, for that matter? I mean, they're, they're the same word. Or to walk by the Spirit. So basically, these other translations are suggesting that you're to be guided by the Spirit. Everybody see that? In other words, the way you live by or in, I've not really said, I just, I couldn't even get an expression change uh, when I said, is there a difference between walking in and by? Uh, but anyway, it seems to me that there is a difference. If you're going to say, I'm living in the spirit, doesn't that have a certain meaning to it? I'm in the spirit. Anybody feel like we're in the holy, we're in the spirit here tonight? Hallelujah. Now, you, some of you are so tired you don't even know uh, what I'm talking about. But what I'm trying to tell you is that people walk in here and they tell me, I've never felt anything like this in my life. And I say, well, you'd be surprised how many people here are bored to tears. They are bored because they're so used to it. They don't even, and they're so, it's so easy. And all they're thinking about is who shook their hand and who didn't shake their hand. They're just caught up in everything except the spiritual. But when you are in the spirit, oh, I want to tell you that makes all the difference. You know, I've walked in and I wanted to just crown someone. If you don't know what crowning someone is, don't, don't ask. 
All right. And so I wanted to crown him. And it's not got anything to do with kings or queens or anything. All right. And, and then the Holy Ghost would talk to me. And I wanted to get down and wash their feet when it was all over. Because the Holy Ghost made the difference in my life. See? Now, if, if it only means to walk by the Spirit, that means under the Spirit's control. See, I said, I'm going to tell you what I think. I think those translators are not Pentecostal. That's what I think. Because if they understood the power of being in the Spirit, they would have never gone with by the Spirit. Because I know the Spirit, we're to be guided by the Spirit, but there's not one word. Now listen to me. No, 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 you listen to me. There's not, well, of course you're listening to me, but I have to do that for effect, okay? Now look here. I mean this, if you are guided by the Spirit, see? Now I believe in being guided by the Spirit, absolutely. I believe it. I believe you should be guided by the Spirit. But is that what that Scripture says? That's not what that Scripture says. There's not one word there about being guided by something, is there? No. It switches well, let's go up here. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. What did it do? It switched the subject. Come on, you got to wake up. You got to wake up for at least two seconds to catch this. Those translators decided that instead of sticking with the Greek and translating it, you, okay, uh, okay, you are going to sit here. What if I switch it to I'm sitting there? Would that still be true? If I say I'm sitting there, would that be true? No, that wouldn't be true. Because what am I doing? I'm standing over here. In fact, I'm not even sitting. He's sitting there. And he's thinking, boy, I wish I weren't because I'm being picked on. What they did was they switched the subject to the spirit. See? Let the Holy Spirit, there's your subject, guide you. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit can guide you. But that's not what Paul said. He said... That you are to walk in the spirit. You are to walk in the spirit. You say, where's the word you? It's in the Greek. It's at the end of the verb. You know exactly what it is. But it's, of course, it's not spoken there. But it's understood. You could have easily translated this. I say then you are to walk in the spirit. And you, sh or, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's not telling God not to walk in the lust of the flesh. They switched the, they switched the subject. Now, not only that. But in this last one, look what they switched. They switched it from passive and dropped the imperative. In other words, it's not, he's not saying if you'd like to, you, you should walk in the spirit. It says walk in the spirit. See, that's what we might think of that as a command. But, you know, I, I don't want to say command because I'm using the Greek terminology. It's an imperative. So you say Walk in the spirit. It's not an option. It doesn't say, well, if not, well, then just live like a devil. It's not telling you that at all. It's, it's a command. It's an imperative. But that translator got rid of that command. See, he chose to get rid of it, and he switched the subject as well. So, therefore, I've only done this so that you can see how different translators can subtly shift things. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong, but these last two are incorrect translations. I don't care the, uh, the New English Bible people. I, I, uh, I, I like them. I think they're, you know, interesting and so on. But that's incorrect. Now, they would tell you if they choose to switch the subject, they can do so. And I would say, how can you switch the subject? Well, because it's still understood correctly, blah, 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 blah. And that's how people argue all kinds of crazy stuff. But the fact of the matter is, if you want to be a victorious Christian, you've got to walk in the Spirit. You've got to listen to preaching, and you've got to listen to the Word of God. You've got to read the Word of God. It amazes me that we sing to little children, read your Bible and pray every day. When I was younger, Sister French and I used to do this. Did, didn't you help me do it? And we would go, you know, read your Bible and pray every day. Pray every day. But are you reading your Bible and are you praying every day? You're telling children to do something that they basically don't understand at all. You're, you're trying to transfer to them that if you will pray... I was just reading an a, a interesting history of the American colleges and how that they've become 
there, so much of what's happening now in our American universities has got anything to do with education. It's all about something else. And they're instilling all kinds of, basically, there is no God and evolution is true. And they're so stuck on it. They want so bad to get rid of anybody that believes something else. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get through the system. What I'm telling you is, though, that here we are in a world where, no, nope, they're not afraid to say what they believe. Then we shouldn't be afraid to say what we believe. If we'll pray and seek God, anybody, anybody believe God can answer prayer here tonight? Can we just lift our hands and thank God? Father, I want to walk, live my life in the Spirit, by the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. All right, so my, if I live my life in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, then uh, it will make all the difference in the world, specifically the things that are listed hereafter, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right, let's go to number uh, the next one. It's better to walk alone than with a crowd going in the wrong direction. So church, um, let the world say it doesn't matter what you do. That morality doesn't matter. That it doesn't matter who you live with or who you marry or what you do or who you kill or what you steal and, and all the lie and lie. Lying has become such a part of our culture that it's almost scary. But people say no problem. Let me tell you, it's all a problem because God's getting ready to come back and he's going to Take a look at all of it, and I want to be ready when he comes. Anybody want to be ready when he comes? Don't follow the crowd. Follow the truth. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's go to number two, 2 Corinthians 5. And this is what I originally was going to start with, but I changed my mind. Okay, so here we go. Number two, each time I'm going to try to give you the principle. Live transformed. Can you say that with me? Live transformed. Transformed, transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Um, I don't know if this is why the Lord keeps bringing this to my spirit, but uh, I, don't I, I don't understand becoming bored with the Holy Ghost. I, I don't. It makes me think people that are bored with the Holy Ghost, it's like... What Holy Ghost do they have? I mean, how could you have the Holy Ghost and be bored with the Holy Ghost? Now, you might become bored or maybe you're a little. How many ever? How many know what I mean if I say you're getting a little cold? Do You know what that means? I don't mean you're sneezing. I mean, uh, I mean, spiritual. You're getting a little. Um, <coughs> a little cold uh, is what's another way to say that? Sister French, someone's getting cold spiritually. You know, like instead of the, they're getting passive. I, I don't want to say that. They're getting lukewarm, okay. In other words, they were hot, now they're lukewarm. All right, that's perfect. They, they've become lukewarm. They used to be just full of zeal and excitement, and now they're not. Um, uh, there are many things that contribute to that. But what you must do is realize that if you're in Christ, God has given you a brand new life. And that brand new life is available to you every day, no matter what you're facing. For example, listen, uh, if you're if you're um, if you are uh, listening to music, let's say, and somebody's singing about a bunch of garbage. Let, let's say you were home and the garbage truck came by and dumped, said, we want to dump this garbage in your living room. Would you say, well, hold on, let me get the key and then just let them back up and dump it in your living room? I doubt you would let them want them to do that. You don't let them dump their garbage in your living room. So the minute something comes, uh, violates your spirit. Sometimes we'll say around Pentecost, it it. Uh, well, you know, like violates your Holy Ghost or starts bothering your Holy Ghost. You know, there have been times I didn't know what was bothering me. And I'd be starting to feel uncomfortable. And I'd say, Lord, what's wrong? I don't know what's wrong. What's wrong here? And the Lord, and I was, I was waiting for the Lord to, what's going on? I don't know what's happening here. The Lord was, what was going on was affecting my Holy Ghost. 
The Holy Ghost in me was saying, wait just a minute. Now, sometimes I've had, there have been times, especially way back as a young Christian, when it would take a while for it to catch up with my actions. And I would think, oh, what, what do I do here? I'm not sure what to do. That's what happens, by the way, to young people in colleges where a professor gets them in a corner and says, if you believe in God, you, you're stupid and you're not going to make an A in this class. Just, just think of a professor saying that. I just read about a professor. That's, this is in a book. The name is right there. Of a professor that said, you will flunk this class if you believe in God. You can't even pass this class if you believe in God. What do you think that does to a young person that's 20 years old? It affects their, they have to think. And so their mind has to catch up. But guess what? Do you think there's no God? Do you think no young people believe in God? No, we've got a whole world that believes in God. No matter what the devil does, we're new creatures. We've been made a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things. Everybody say, all things. Everything's new. You don't listen to the same music. You don't do the same, same things. You don't, even, you don't even dress the same way. You don't treat people the same way. You become a new person. All right, let's go to number three. Now, let's look here at uh, 1 John. Now, we're looking at one scripture. So this is our third principle. And uh, the second one was that we're new creatures and we need to act like it. And we, we need to uh, pray for the fervor and the newness so that it doesn't become old and, and stale. You don't want it to get old and stale. Um, and so... If you work on it, keep it new and fresh, then you're going to be victorious. But if you become discouraged because, uh, uh, I don't want to go back to the garbage analogy, but um, if something's stale, it's stale. Do you know what I mean? If it's stale, you're not going to eat it. Something that's stale and crusty is old, and it has no uh, value to you. And so you're looking for the freshness of the things of God. And that's why prayer becomes so critical. Can we just lift our hands and ask God to help us to keep him fresh in our hearts every day? Lord, I've been made new by your touch, Lord. I I know I'm 62, but I feel like a young, I feel like I'm young again when I walk into your presence, Lord, because you are with me, and I thank you for it. And I praise you. <coughs> I'm sorry. All right, so First uh, John 1, 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Can you say those last four words with me? Even as he walked. So it is. If your goal will constantly be to live As Jesus lived, to be like Jesus. How many think that's a good goal? To live like Jesus, to want to be like Jesus in everything that you're doing. So when you walk with God, it changes everything, and it certainly changes where you're going, and it changes the things that you love because you want to be like the Lord. You don't want to be like a devil. You want to be like the Lord. Your desire is to be like Jesus in all that you're doing. Everybody said, praise the Lord. So it, it literally changes you. In other words, you, uh, you, you may be a murderer now, but when he's done with you, you will be a brand new person. You may be a drunkard, you may be a drunkard now. Maybe you may be bound by chains of drugs, but when he's done with you, you will be delivered because when he's done, you become like him. Praise God. Which means you're going to be loving. You're going to be sacrificial in all the things that Christ was. I didn't say you will become Jesus. You don't become Jesus. He's Jesus. You're not Jesus. If you think you're Jesus, uh, well, that's another lesson. All right? Uh, You know you're not Jesus. Jesus is the only Jesus. There's nobody ever been like Jesus. How many glad you know who Jesus is? (laughs) Hallelujah. So when you walk with him, then you, and when you say that you are in him, you ought to, So walk even as he walked. Praise God. So you don't get offended when the pastor says, the Bible says this. Why would you get offended? Now, I know people get offended. All right? I've preached holiness my entire ministry. And I've had plenty of people say, well, I don't think God cares. And I said, I understand. I recognize that. You have a right to feel that way. But what makes you think that God doesn't care about that? 
Well, because I think this or that. And I would say, well, what if I showed you in the Bible where God says he cares about that? What would you say then? The latest, here's, here's where many, uh, uh, they're so deep in sin today. You say, there's a hell, and they say, this is, to me, startling. I'm hearing this more and more from young people. I don't care if there is a hell. We're hearing uh, a whole young culture. Now, they don't, I, I take that to mean they don't have a clue what they're talking about, but they'll say, I don't care if there's a hell. If I go to hell, it's great. You'd be surprised the blasphemy that's going on in the hearts of lives of young people because our culture is almost pagan. We've almost become a pagan culture. Now, I know there's plenty of Christianity. What I'm trying to say is that the powers of darkness are all about us. But when you walk in, in his footsteps and you live like him, you become a brand new person. Everything has changed. Someone said, well, I, I don't, it doesn't matter if you follow Jesus or Buddha. Who, it matters. It matters who you're following. You better be following the Lord himself and walk as he walked and live as he lived. And sometimes that's hard. Oh, my goodness. Sometimes it's almost impossible, it seems, to, to, uh, to walk in his steps. But we're being changed even as we take it on ourselves. Okay, let's go to number four. Now, we're going to begin uh, two scriptures, 15 and 17 of 1 John 2. Now, this scripture, I, I borrowed this overlay uh, from somewhere, and then I put my own little, little things on it. So the principle is you, if you want to be victorious in living for God, you must live a separated life from the world. Now, that doesn't mean you don't love the world, you don't care about the world, but you don't live a worldly life. And that language should become part of your thinking. I don't want to be worldly. Um, now, some people think world, worldliness is only about uh, like holiness or something like that. Uh, it certainly is. There are many things about holiness that are worldly and, and needs to be taught as such, and I teach it as such. But there are many things that are worldly that have nothing to do with the clothes you wear. Hating people is ungodly. Hatred is ungodly. Jesus even taught that you're, and this, I'm going to say this, and Lord, I, when I say it, I'm not inviting anything, Lord. I'm simply wanting to be serious about this discussion tonight. That I have been called to love my enemies. To love them. In spite of it. Now, I'm going to tell you sometimes it is difficult to love an enemy, especially depending on what they're doing. Depending on what they're actually doing. But Jesus loved in spite of what others were doing. Now, he didn't say, now, I'm calling you to be dumbbells. And therefore, let people stomp all over you. I, nowhere in the Bible does it teach that. I find nothing in Scripture that says we should all be dumbbells and not care if people beat our kids or slap us around or steal our stuff. The Bible nowhere teaches that. That's called lawlessness. And the Bible teaches against it. But we are taught to love, not the deeds of our enemies. Never said I got to like what they did. But we're to love our enemy. My goodness. Wow. Wow, I don't know if I felt that much resistance in years. We are called to love our enemy, no matter who they are, and say, Father, that's my enemy. I don't agree with the thing they're doing, but I love them. I'm praying for them. I want to tell you what Jesus said. You will win them because you love them. Something happens when you love people in spite of what they do. What we do, though, in our culture, we just cave into everything. If the world says, eh, just live that way, we'd start living that way. That's what's wrong with our culture. And, of course, uh, if you do that, you're never going to find the truth. That is not the truth. The truth is what God said. So here's what John says, 1 John 2.15. Love not the world. Can you say those four words with me? Love not the world. Okay. Love not the world. Of course, you're always compelled. You always feel this, uh, especially if someone's not familiar with Scripture, to 
to say, no, that doesn't mean you don't love the people in the world and blah, 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 and so forth. We, but I'm not going to have to pause for that. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If you put the things of the world ahead of spirituality, you are going to lose the battle. If money means more to you than your spiritual walk, if the things you have are more important to you, you're going to lose the battle. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Wow, that's, that's whopping. Now let's go to, and now I'm going to jump from the King James to the New Living Translation. And I'm skipping verse 16 because I don't have time. But let's look at verse 17. Here we are. I'm reading <coughs> the New Living this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. Now, I like that. That's why I've chosen it. This world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. If you will walk separated from worldliness and please the Lord, you will be a victorious Christian. You may even become a dynamic Christian because you have separated yourself from the things that will destroy your spiritual life. Can we just clap our hands one more time? Let's thank God for it. All right, I'm moving on to number five. Now, here we go. I'm going to go a little faster. I know some of you are thinking, I I'm just... Uh, so I'm gonna, I, I don't want to think about the time at all. You, you go ahead and think about it. Here we go. All right, now we're looking at Proverbs 16, 17. Now this is principle number five. I'm choosing the New King James Version. Now I want to explain something here. I have purposely selected other translations that agree with the King James but make a clarification because I'm a King James. I think the King James is awesome and I'm all for it. But... There are times when a clarification helps. And this is one, Proverbs 16, 17. You notice that almost every principle I've been interacting with other translations. I sometimes do it because that helps some people and so on. But anyway, so let's look at verse 17. Now listen to it. Listen to the way the New King James Version. Now you'll notice that I almost never quote the New King James. And yet 10 years ago, I quoted it almost all the time. Do you remember when I used to quote the New King James all the time? It was new, and I liked it. It wasn't until the ESV came out that I began to move away from the New King James for, for reasons that have nothing to do with whether they're right or wrong uh, because there's plenty wrong with ESV, but I use it because it tries to stick as close to the King James as it can, and it's a new translation, so it's helpful. All right, so sometimes it's helpful. Now, let's read it. It's just very short. The highway of the upright is what? What would you have said if someone asked you, what is the highway of the upright? What highway are they walking on? Oh, love everybody. Just love, love, love. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. I'm going to tell you something, folks. The road we're walking on is to depart from evil. That's the road. We're, we're, how, hey, 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 which way do I go to get away from that, that devil? Turn right here. All right, here I go. Anything I can do to go in the way of righteousness and away from evil, that's the road we're walking. Can you say praise the Lord? <laughs> and he who keeps his way preserves his soul. Sounds like you have to keep your way. Doesn't sound like no matter what you do, you're going to heaven. He who keeps his way, that is, Walking the way, I guess we could say it that way. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. If you go the way of evil, of course, you lose your soul. All right, let's go now. Let's go to number six. All right, now we're on the other side. Come on, everybody breathe a little. I know you're nervous. All right, here we go. Psalm 25 is our sixth principle. And it is a prayer of David on how to walk in the spirit. So I'm using it. I'm using the NIV for the reasons I just said. All right. A prayer of David for walking with the spirit. This is our sixth principle. Show me your ways, Lord. Can you say that with me? Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. See, this is a prayer. Anybody, anybody believe we ought to be praying? 
Here's a prayer on how to walk with God. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. Praise God. So that should be your prayer. If you're trying to walk with God and live for God and be victorious, then you pray a prayer. Lord, teach me. I have a teachable spirit. I want to listen. I want to re- listen. Listen to what I think. Now, I want to say this carefully. Lord, forgive me if I'm, if, uh, I'll just blame it on fever or something. If I, later on I hear this and I don't like it. Um, I listen to people that I completely disagree with. I listen to atheists, and I might say, I, I don't just sit there like a bump, but I, uh, every once in a while, I, I wait for the Lord to tell me I'm, I'm not thinking an atheist is going to believe anything I say. And so if I'm talking to an atheist, I'm thinking of one just, uh, oh, my word, if I told that, I'd never, I can't even talk about it. So I'm talking to this atheist, and uh, so... The Lord prompted me, and I said, well, wait, wait, wait. I wonder, wonder, what about this? They were talking to me. I was listening. I wasn't trying to take over and prove to them that I was, I believe in God, and I'm smart, and I'm right. I wanted them to believe in God, but I didn't think that was going to work, and using a hammer on the top of their head wasn't going to work. So I listened to people that I completely disagree with, and I try my best to hear what they're actually saying. Why is that? Because if I listen to them, maybe they'll listen to me. And they don't have any anointing in their life because they have no anointing whatsoever. They don't even believe in God. He's an atheist. And so I said, well, I am not an atheist. I believe in God. In fact, let me tell you. I said, I'm going to tell you now what I said. I feel God right now. (laughs) Well, that wasn't fair. And he said, well, that's just psychology. And I said, no, here's, I don't think that I'm describing psychology. I think I feel the presence of the Lord right now. And I think the Lord has brought us together to talk. I don't know exactly why. I, don't, I know you're an atheist, and so it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I don't think you're going to convince me of atheism. But what was I doing? I was listening. I was saying, Lord, I'm willing to be taught. I want you to help me. I want to understand. When a young person comes to me and says, well, Brother French, you don't understand. Everything. It couldn't have come from God. This all came from monkeys and from, from dinosaurs way out there. And I say, no, 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 no. Let, let me show you a couple things here about that. Let's think about it. Let's go back. And, and go. I don't say, how dare you? How could you possibly say that to a preacher? I don't say that. Why? Because... I want to have a heart that's open for God to talk to me, to show me what he wants me to do. Folks, listen. God is able to talk to us and guide us. Anybody believes that God can guide us where he wants us to go? Guide me in your truth. See, I hear these guys. I don't, I'm not going to say who they are. These, these Christians I hear that say, oh, you just do this, boom, bang, you're saved. Go on and live like a demon. I don't get it. I, that, to me, that is the most nonsensical thing I've ever heard of. You just click your, you know, not click. What's this called? Snap. You snap your finger and boom, I'm going to heaven tomorrow. I was at a concert one time. I loved the singers. And they stopped and said, oh, oh, wait, we didn't have anybody get saved yet. And so there was about 5,000 people. And so they said, everybody bow your heads, bow your heads. Real quick, we only got 30 seconds. And they said, bow your heads. In Jesus' name right now, everybody need lost to be saved. And he said, how many of you in those 30 seconds uh, were saved? And uh, I think, uh, oh, my goodness, were you there? There was a, oh, my, I'd say 100 people were saved in that 30 seconds. And you know what I did? Tears went right down my face. I said, those people were sincere. Those hands went up. They were sincere. They wanted to know. They wanted to know. And somebody said, oh, we got to take a second. Come on. Bow your heads real quick. We'll pray. And then they prayed, and, and, and 100 people raised their hand. They were saved. 
just that few seconds, as though that was it. Now, I don't mean that they were so insincere that they didn't expect them to go to church somewhere. They, they did, I assume. But, uh, folks, let me tell you something. It doesn't just start with a click of your finger. You're gonna, you can be guided in the truth. Let's lift our hands and ask God to guide us in the truth. We're almost done. Father, guide us right now. I pray for every heart, every soul. Lord, I pray for every person that walks through the doors of this church. I pray that the Holy Ghost will move in such powerful ways that they will know it's your hand and your power. And I pray that saints that have walked in this all their lives will be re-energized, oh God, because you are my God and my hope all the day long. Number seven, number seven. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Say that with me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6.33. So you must put God first. Can you say praise the Lord? You've got to put God first. Now, if you put God third, you're not going to be victorious. Well, I put him third. I mean, man, I, I never put anybody third. It's me and then, well, anyway, I won't go there. You know, my wife is fourth, and, you know, well, that's why you're almost on a, in divorce. Your wife is like fifth. Well, yeah, but I can't put her ahead of all these other important things in my life. And then there's God way down the road over there. No, you seek the kingdom of God first in your life. Like, what if, what if God made it so that in order for you to live, you had to literally gasp for breath every morning? <gasps> every single morning. What would you do? Gasp for breath. That's what you would do. So you must seek the kingdom. Praise God. So somebody's listening to me. I feel it in the Holy Ghost right now. You seek the kingdom first in your life, and you will be a victorious child of God. His righteousness in your life. Don't seek every movie star in the world. Seek righteousness. And God will add these things into your life. Number eight. Okay. <clears throat> okay, three more. Here we go. Guard your heart and your spirit. Can you say that? Guard your heart and your spirit. Now, see, the devil wants you offended. He wants you hurt. He wants you uh, scared, fearful, whatever. You, you have to guard your heart against fear. Every once in a while, when, whenever I, well, I'm not going to go there. All right, so let's read uh, Psalm 51 from the King James. Create in me, let's read that together. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Praise God. So if you guard your heart and seek a clean heart, then God will grant it. Does anybody believe that God answers prayer? God will grant it. Don't just keep sinning and say, well, God, oh, I've failed, so i got to keep sinning. No, don't keep sinning. Guard your heart against uncleanliness. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. I love, by the way, I, I would love to come back to this scripture some other time, uh, and I, that is such a powerful reality that God can create a clean heart within us which is a powerful thing. For example, you know, uh, I've told you before, but remember I told you about the fellow that went knocking on the doors. He was a criminal. He met this woman that was in her early 80s, and he, uh, are we okay? Are the kids out of here? And he, um, uh, he broke in, and he killed her right there, and I, I met this man. It was just like, oh, my word alive and uh but when i met him he was preaching he was weeping because in years and years and years in prison but one day a pentecostal preacher came to the prison and was preaching and he said i i all i wanted to do was kill myself i can't believe i killed a woman and he said i didn't even mean to kill her and i didn't didn't intend to kill her and and he said and there i was and he said and then i heard the preacher i felt the spirit of god and i repented of my sins and I received the Holy Ghost right in prison. Of course, he got out later. They paroled him because, or whatever they call it, got him out because he was such a model prisoner. And today is a United Pentecostal Church preacher. But what I'm trying to tell you is that when I heard him, he, he was a brand new person. How did he get that heart? God created a clean heart in him. He said, yes, Lord, created me a clean heart. Hallelujah. So if your heart is not right, it's no one's fault but yours. Because God can change your heart. Let's go to number nine, and let's look here. So live to please God. Everyone say that. Live to please God. Colossians 1, 
uh, verse 9, at the end of verse 9, we ask God, I'm, I'm reading from the New Living now. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. In fact, as I was typing this today, I thought, this is, this is exactly what, I'm not trying to compare myself to Paul, but this is my prayer for you tonight. I ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Brother Norris used to say, he's one of the great pioneers. Do you remember Elder Norris years ago? He used to say, one of the greatest things you can do is pray to understand what your pastor is trying to accomplish and get behind what he's trying to accomplish and, and work and believe God together. Then verse 10, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. Hallelujah. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Thank you, Jesus. All the while, you will grow. And then I've typed it in wrong, and I'm not open to it. All the while, you will grow as you, I guess I left that out, as you learn to know God better and better. I couldn't open it in. I don't have a new living in front of me. Okay, number 10. Let's stand. We're done. Here we go. Number 10. And this is our 10th principle for living for God. Hebrews 10.25. Exhorting, which means, of course, encouraging. Encouraging one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. If you want to live for God, then Here's, I've saved the best for last. Then you need to be faithful. You need to be faithful when you don't understand and when you do understand. You need to be faithful to the house of God and stay prepared every single day for the rapture that's about to come. Let's lift our hands together. Father, I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice tonight will make it when you come. I pray for Jerusalem. I pray for America. I pray for our world, Lord. I ask that millions will be saved and that every nation will feel the unction of the Holy Ghost before the last trumpet sounds. I pray that many will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and that hearts will be changed, Lord, by your glorious gospel. That everything, Lord, will be surrendered to that and that our hearts, Lord, let us give, let us do everything we can, Lord, as we gather together and we see the day approaching. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. All right, that's 10 principles for living for God victoriously. God bless you. You're dismissed. Shake hands. Turn to your neighbor. Greet one another. Smile. You can smile now. Greet one another in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for praying for us. Praise God.